Spoilers ahead. Spoilers ahead. Welcome to Max Mike Movies. In this, our second series, we will discuss a different movie each week, a movie that falls into the category of what we're calling Hidden Gems. These are movies that we both think are fun, interesting, or otherwise worth seeing, but for some reason they don't seem to have reached a particularly wide audience. We'll go over the plot of the film in our show portion, go back and forth over the film's merits, points, and details in Lowdown, and finish up with The Roundup, where we discuss why we think the film deserves a wider audience, or doesn't, and maybe try to figure out why it doesn't have one. This week we're doing the 1985 movie Max Headroom. I am your I am your East Coast host, Max Levine. And I am a small flightless bird. <laughs> yes, he is with hairy feathers. Chirp, chirp. <laughs> I am your secondary host, Mike Luce. Oh, he he's nice that way, doing making me the primary. He knows if I don't think I'm in charge, I start crying uncontrollably. And he beats me. I do. I do. <laughs> kind of hard to do when you're all the way out on that East Coast. But I have very, very long arms. It's, it's true. It's I've freakish. It's freakish. Ow! Hey, stop it! <laughs> what, what? Is this bug you? Does this bug oh, you? I'm not oh, touching you. Smokes. I'm not hey, touching you. Your space. He's coming over my side. Mom! <laughs> I'll stop this continent right now. <laughs> that will really bring in the listeners. Mm-hmm. Why don't we talk about the show? The show. So this week, we are talking about the original movie 19, from 1985, Max Headroom. This was the British film. It was sort of a their equivalent of a made-for-TV movie, and it inspired several... Made-for-TV, love you. Yeah. <laughs> it inspired several, uh, several other shows, spinoffs, and a modestly iconic character. Would you call Max Headroom an iconic character? Yeah, but I don't think he really made it out of the 80s. No, he, he really didn't. He is, in a lot of ways, sort of emblematic of the 80s. Every once in a while, he makes this weird reappearance. Really? He, sh- he shows up in that horrible Adam Sandler movie, Pixels. That was I'm just sorry, you didn't few... need to use the word horrible. Okay, excuse me. In the Adam Sandler movie, Pixels, he actually makes an appearance. I'm not sure if Matt Frewer did the voice, but it's very clearly Max Hedrum. He does a very brief appearance. So clearly they're expecting somebody to remember who he is. You know, it's nostalgic because he was a spokesman for Coke for, you know, a few years. Oh, he wasn't just a spokesman for Coke. He was the spokesman for the new Coke. Oh, right. Yeah. That's Remember? why he didn't make it out of the yeah, 80s. Yeah, the yeah, new okay. Coke did not make it out of the 80s new either. New that Coke. was. Yeah, I, I don't know if folks remember, but that was considered one of the greatest marketing blunders of the late 20th century. Or was it? <laughs> or, or was it? There's also the belief that Coca-Cola was uh, playing the long game, and it uh, did eventually up their sales. It uh, trashed them for, I think, a year and a half, though. Well, when they didn't have real Coke, or yeah. whatever it be, eventually Coke went classic. back to being Coke mm-hmm. available, then, yeah. But yeah. Uh, it's, it's I, I could see it either way. But anyway, we're getting mm. off topic. Yeah. So, the movie is a dystopian story that takes place, as it says in the opening, 20 minutes into the future. That's about right. It follows investigative reporter Edison Carter, played by Matt Frewer, as he struggles to uncover a mysterious conspiracy at his own network, Network 23, something involving something called blipverts. In the process, he is nearly killed, and his consciousness is digitized and formed into an AI, the wisecracking Max Headroom. Various shenanigans follow. That's about right. Yeah, thank you. Uh, It was also a pilot... It uh, at the time it was not because British TV did not. Tr- it was clearly begging to be a pilot because it's very open ended. But Br- BBC did not make the show. It was made over here. It was made in America in 1987. Two years well, later, the show was. Yeah, yeah. I say the movie was made by made in Britain. It yes. was made by Chrysalis Records of all things. <laughs> yeah, and it was made for BBC Four. Yeah, mm-hmm. I couldn't help but laugh. I had totally forgotten Network Twenty Three, and it's like, yeah, Twenty Three. Well, there's a big hope since you folks only have four. Yeah, well, <laughs> also there's the whole thing of 
if you've ever read any conspiracy theory uh, literature or even like the Robert Anton Wilson Illuminati books, 23 is a big number in those. Oh, yeah. I Meh. forgot about that. Isn't, yes. No, not 17. There's another one, too. There's uh, five is another because two plus three is five. Uh, oh. This is a this is a whole series in and of itself, and you can probably hear it probably being done by people broadcasting from a bunker, wearing underwear and uh, aluminum foil hats and nothing else. Don't use Reynolds wrap. Right. Why? Why? <laughs> it's a conspiracy. Ah. It doesn't okay. deflect all the frequencies. <laughs> Reynolds wrap is in on it. I knew it. No, get the store brand. Ah. That's a tip from Max Mike Movies. <laughs> Live your life better with store mm. brand tinfoil. And now, the news. <laughs> I thought uh, it was interesting that uh, all of them were Brits except for Carter, played by Matt yeah, Frewer. Yeah. It's like, uh, okay. Um, Matt Frewer, oddly enough, I mean, not then, but he went on to be the biggest name in that movie. <laughs> which isn't saying very much. Well, yeah, although, I mean, Amanda Pays and... Uh, Oddly enough, the Morgan Shepard, the guy who plays Blank Reg, the guy who runs uh, Big T, uh, Big Time Big TV, TV hmm? Big Time Big, TV, yeah, uh, who's also probably the most fun character. He's uh, Morgan Shepard, and he is a major league uh, B-list British actor. If you look at his IMDb page, it goes on and on. The guy has been acting for like fifty years, and if you see him later as an old man, you'll recognize him. Because he play, he tends to play old British guy delivering mysterious message a lot. <laughs> well, good for him, you yeah. know. Because I mean, well, to be fair, if you see one British production or two British productions, you will see the actors in those things forever. If you watch other British productions, yeah, um, especially mystery shows. Let me tell you, because <laughs> there's people they need because everybody dies every week, right? So. They need lots of people. So if you're a British actor, you've done at least one mystery. That's my feeling. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, I remember watching. Thing, but... I, I was watching an episode of the old uh, Jeremy Brett Sherlock Holmes from the BBC, and there's this stable hand. He's in one scene. I think he has one line. I'm going, that's Jude Law. <laughs> my favorite is an episode of Midsummer Murders in which mm. we get a pretty much naked uh, Legolas. <laughs> Oh, God, um, really? Orlando he, Bloom's in it? He, he is getting out of bed, and he's facing away from us, but he ain't wearing nothing. Whoa. So I, I wonder, wonder how that many show of... ran for so long. <laughs> I wonder how many of the Lord of the Rings fans have looked up that episode. Or at least um, for that still. Well, there you go. Because, you know, but... Um, <laughs> anyway. But, but yeah, this... I mean, Matt Furrow, I mean, I knew him um, from this. I knew him from... He had a guest episode appearance on Star Trek Next Generation. He's um, also the voice of Panic in Disney's Hercules. Oh, that's right. That's mm -hmm. right. Oh, he's done tons of stuff. Uh, he was in, uh, there was a recent show, what is it, about, about uh, New York Hospital. He had a sitcom called Doctor Doctor, which I think ran for a season and a half. Mm. He's, been, he's been in Orphan Black. He's done a ton. He's done voice work. Mostly he does a lot of TV, but he does bits and bits parts in movies too. Hmm. Yeah, but calling him a name, you know, yeah, yeah. I think, I'd say he's probably like the guy who played Reg. You know, he's like, oh, he's been in tons of things. He's been working, but I don't wouldn't say he's a household name. And you no. know, he's enjoyable. I think he's a fan favorite. I think people like to see Matt Frewer and things because they remember him from potentially this, but Next Gen and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. Um, that uh, the show in general, uh, I remember it incorrectly as being an original Cinemax movie. Now, I didn't have mm. Cinemax, but that was, I think, the only way in the States that yeah. you got to see this when it came out was on Cinemax, or Skinemax, as it was known <laughs> as back then, yeah. as it was, you know, mostly showing a lot of, um, shall we say, more adult content. Yeah, softcore porn, basically. So, you know, before we get into the, the whole eventual roundup, I think it's safe to say the reason that this film did not have much of an audience was that it was almost impossible to see it. Mm. Although you had Cinemax, in which case they probably showed it every Friday or something, you know. But MTV got sort of into it too. Max Headroom showed up on there a lot. A couple of other uh, bits of trivia, though. Oh yes, by uh, all means, do oh, trivia. Yes. Uh, Mac in the movie, Max is not computer generated at all. In nineteen, nope. In nineteen eighty-five, the technology was nowhere near ready to do a, a fully generated uh, human head that could actually do synchro, synchro sound. Sadly, that parrot was pretty advanced. <laughs> yeah, the parrot was pretty impressive, and the parrot was real. That was an actual program. But uh, So it's basically Matt Frewer wearing a lot of heavy foam prosthetics and a suit. And lots and lots of makeup. Lots and lots of makeup. 
And uh, a, a, the suit, which is this weird shiny looking suit, is a fiberglass mold. <laughs> wow, that sounds yeah. comfy. I think if I remember correctly, they also shot at a very low frame rate and mm-hmm. a very high lighting. Yeah, and they also play all sorts of tricks with the sound and overdubbing and, uh, in effect, scratching. Right. So, which is why he gets his characteristic stutter. You know, this is m- 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 Max Headroom, supposed to represent a computer glitching. Right. Uh, Frewer apparently modeled Max's manner on, of all people, Ted Baxter from the Mary Tyler Moore Show. <laughs> Yeah, he was I did quoted. Not know that. He was quoted as saying, "I particularly wanted to get that phony bonhomie of Baxter." Max always assumes a decade-long friendship on the first meeting. At first sight, he'll ask about that blackhead on your nose. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Lou, 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 Lou. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Wow. Ted Baxter always looked like he might have been computer-generated or a fake head. And now the news. <laughs> uh, the. The TV show two years later, only a few of the cast members from the movie made it over. You know, Frewer, Amanda Pays, who plays Theora, and oddly enough, you know, Morgan Shepard again, who was Blank Ridge. Uh, none of the others did. Jeffrey Tambor actually plays his producer. Wow. Yeah. What is Ch- All right, I, we, we need to do an episode of films that Te- Jeffrey Tambor has not been in. Uh, that would be a very short list. Yeah, that's why I think <laughs> we could do one episode on it. Dear yeah. God, he shows up everywhere, because he was in uh, the Gary Shandling show. Oh, he yeah. was in Pollock. Uh, he's in everything. Right, to tra- yep, he's transparent. He's Oh, he's everywhere. And he's very good. Uh, the show itself, uh, the TV show that was inspired two years later, it was... It lasted 14 episodes, which somehow they stretched to two seasons. He also had his own talk show for six episodes. Max Headroom had Max Talking Headroom. He was no space ghost. That's no, he was no space ghost. Uh, it, by the way, if you want to check him out on YouTube, it's really worth just watching the one where he's playing with, with William Shatner, because William Shatner has no idea what to do with him. Good. Yes, I will check that out. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. And uh, he made a bunch of commercials, and uh, there was even a discussion of a movie, Max Headroom for President, but it never went beyond the, hey, what about a, a movie called Max Headroom for President? Guys, I'm I'm fired, aren't I? Stage. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Just as well. Now, this, one of the things about this movie, I will say right off, it's not a great movie. It's not. But historically, it's fascinating because this came out right at the beginning of the cyberpunk era. And it's very cyberpunk. This came out a year after Neuromancer was published, meaning it was being developed pretty much at the same time. Well, you know the story about the famous story about William Gibson going to see Blade Runner? Uh, I probably don't tell, and maybe our listeners don't tell us. So apparently, when Blade Runner came out in 82, I believe, Mm -hmm. uh, William Gibson went to see it and after a short period of time, had to get up and leave the movie because he said, oh dear, this is exactly the kind of thing I want, I'm want. i doing in my novel. Oops. So he didn't want to be unduly influenced. So oh. while some of the feel, it feels familiar, the plots have nothing to do with each other. And mm-hmm. of course, if you've read the book, the movie and the book have almost <laughs> nothing to do with each other. Right. So. Yeah, 80s was definitely like the, the golden era for cyberpunk in any form. Yeah. Yeah, and Max Hedden was an it was a great uh, example of it. It had all the elements. It had the dystopian future. It had the evil corporations. It had the strange, mysterious technology. It even had body hacking. I mean, the oh, character... Real, real hacking. Yeah, literal. <laughs> the two thugs who are just wonderful, Bruegel and Mahler. Mm-hmm. I, I just love the fact, you know, one of them is named after a famous Dutch painter and the other is named after a German composer. Sure. Mm-hmm. Bruegel what? and frickin' Mahler. And... And at well, well, we'll get to them. And again, they're these they're so oddly erudite, or at least you know, uh, Mahler is. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, sorry, more trivia. Bruegel. No, that's that's most of it. Um, Amanda Pays, who is plays Theora, hit, uh, Edison Carter's control, basically her. Hit, his it's, girlfriend, just say it. No, no, well, actually, that doesn't show up in the movie. It's implied, no, but, it but nothing later. really happens. Well, she's the only woman in the... Well, no, there's, there's nope, there, Dominique, three women. There's Dominique three women. is in it, yep, and the nurse, right? And the nurse. <laughs> <laughs> yes. The hag raven, for those of you who play Elder Scrolls. <laughs> yep. uh, <laughs> pretty much, but Amanda Pays, Theora, uh, she's done a, a, a number of things, too, but I'll, probably she's best known for playing Christina McGee on both versions of the Flash TV series. 
Oh. Yeah, she was on the original, and she's on the new one. Huh. Well, I'd stopped yep. watching that one after uh, season one. So well, she's not. She, she's a semi-regular. She shows up on maybe half a dozen episodes. But oh, she was she was a main character on the original. Huh. Hmm. Probably actually right around the same time because I think the Flash was like what eighty seven something yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Cool. Well, so if we're out of trivia, or yep. yeah, I'm sorry. Is there nope. More? That's it. We're out of trivia. I. We can now head into. Oh, ow, man! I keep smacking my duck, head on that lowdown. Duck your head! It's your fault for it's your own fault for being so freakishly tall. Oh, it does say max headroom, doesn't yeah. it? Yes, it All does. Right. <laughs> so we'll go to the lowdown. <laughs> the lowdown. So, yeah. uh, as Max pointed out, this is not a great movie. No, I I think it holds some fond memories for us. I think both Max and I. Um, well, we've been quoting it in some cases incorrectly yeah. uh, for many years, but at an hour long, it feels slow. Yeah, considering as, yeah, as you say, it's basically a long TV episode, and even for that, it feels too long. But there are wonderful touches to it. Never mind the, you know, Network Twenty Three and the fact that you know, the character Max Headroom gets his name because when Edison Carter is forced into a, a motorcycle crash, the last thing he sees is a barrier in a parking garage that says max as period as in maximum headroom 2.3 meters another version of 23 uh there is so much odd throwaway stuff and uh, some of the commentary in it is fascinating and actually disturbingly prescient yeah the whole i use that word twice in my notes ah the whole thing with uh, uh, the scandal that Edison is uncovering at Network 23 is that Network 23 has this computer genius on, on staff who has figured out a way to create the ultimate commercial called a blipvert, which is a parody, which is sort of a play on the British term advert, in that it takes all the information of a 30-second commercial and crams it into three seconds. Unfortunately. Yeah, there's a kind of, there's a, a rather... And you cannot think about the science of this too hard. Oh, this is where all the science comes into play. This is all yeah. the deep, deep, well-researched oh, yeah. science. Fact. Yeah. Basically, fact. If the Don't person, dispute me. <laughs> if, if the person watching is particularly sedentary, because apparently our nerves build up electrical impulses during the day. And most of the time we just sort of bleed them off yeah. by um, not being by, sedentary. By, by moving around, yeah. Yeah. But... Uh, the blipvert overstimulates the nerves, generates too much electrical energy because it's just too much data coming at you too fast, and some a small percentage of the population will explode. <laughs> just like yeah. the penguin. Yeah, it's like the penguin on the top of your television set. Oh, how do you know that was going to happen? It was an inspired guess. And now? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's it. So it turns out that these incredibly successful commercials are have the, sm- the minor... Uh, disadvantage of killing a percentage of the audience. And of course, evil corporate people in suits sitting in the dark around tables. They don't care about that. That's making money and giving them ratings. The thing I like, by the way, is the ratings at Network 23 are compiled hourly. Right. Or they actually at one point watch them go up and yeah, down. like In at real time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was in my notes too. It's like, you know, this was obviously... One of the more prescient points, the actual prescient points of the film, was that people are going to be even more diligent and microscopic in their analyzation of how they're getting an audience and holding it and not holding it. And market research is going to go off the scale, which I'm going to say pretty much has. Yeah. But we shouldn't call this a a, a downside. We should call Blipfords, they have a side effect. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, it's, you know, like having that those little drug commercials is like side effects may include exploding. You know, it's it's we can soften it. It's it's sellable. But the parodies of te- of television again, this was something else prescient in terms of like reality TV. There's video symptoms with Dr. Duncan. <laughs> oh, my God. Where this apparently they like you, you have a camera in the house and the guy's like, yeah, doctor, I've got this terrible anal pustule. <laughs> And he drops his pants. Well, just hold it up to the screen. Yep, he said, and the doctor is telling him, well, press it up against the camera. So we, and fortunately, they cut away before we actually see that. Yeah. Um, my my favorite, though, is it's a little throwaway in the background of this religious commercial. Call, <laughs> you, know, you know the one. Yeah, call yes, this I do. number and find out what an incredibly nice guy God is. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, brilliant. 
as as to the um, the the doctor gland thing, um, I hate I hate to point this out because I personally find this repulsive. But there is an incredibly popular YouTube channel oh, called no. Doctor Pimple Popper. Oh, um, I yeah no, yeah. No. I have never watched myself when I found out it existed. I, I was like, you can't. Know this. Uh, well, now you do. Um, uh. Yeah, and <laughs> I just can't believe that. A people film this. I mean, they must have submissions, right? Because it can't be the same person. I hope not. I don't. I don't want to know. But apparently, oh. it's very popular. So you heard it first in 1985 on Max Headroom. Oh. Oh, um, yeah. So, uh huh. Um, there's also one of the things that I noted because I listened to this movie with headphones. Uh-huh. The reason being is that my partner was still sleeping and I would, you know, didn't want to wake him or anything. Oh, and they actually, they do a lot of things with sound. Like, there's occasions where they do actually split up the left and right so that there are sounds coming from different areas. Mm. Which, you know, if you're going to be watching this on BBC4 or Cinemax or whatever, you probably at this point don't have a stereo system hooked up to your TV. No. So I thought that was actually kind of interesting. There was, a, there was one little throwaway tiny, and if you didn't hear it, I'm not surprised... When um, the leader of the of Channel Twenty Three, whose name I can't remember, Mister Grossman, mm. oh, okay. is getting himself from some coffee, uh, he spits it out and says it's terrible. And there's a little voice in the background that says that basically the person whose fault it was will be notified and fired. This has been your automatic complaint system. <laughs> I did hear that. That was a, um, that was a nice touch. Yeah, that's the thing is that this this movie has a lot of nice little touches in it. It as a whole, I think the problem is is that it suffers from dull (laughs) yeah i mean edison carter is supposed to be this sort of action character and i'm sorry no offense to matt frewer he's really not very interesting well i think the big problem is that we get to see him kind of working on one story which is actually central to the plot but that's all and he gets cut off true we you know they they call him in because they're getting he's getting too close to home and then we don't get to see him. We don't get to see any more of his work, probably because it would have cost too much. Mm. But he's supposed to be this one guy or this this main reporter that gets in and gets the story no matter what. But we don't even actually see him do it. So they tell us he's successful and we believe them because, you know, who else are we going to ask? You know, it's funny. There's a science fiction aspect uh, to it that would have been sort of science fiction in 1985, but now we don't even notice it. It's the fact that he's an entirely self-contained unit. He just walks around with a camera, right. and it's live broadcast. That didn't happen. They didn't have that in 1985. You couldn't walk around with a camera by yourself with no external power source. You had to end uh, you, you had to be Yeah, you had to hook up to a news van. I think you and, actually still do. Eh, but now, hell, you can do this with your phone. You can do live broadcast to YouTube and such, or Periscope. Right. And so that... That was interesting, and it, it's sort of a plot point in that even when they think he's dead, he won't let go of the camera. <laughs> Hands with more than a camera. <laughs> I love God. I, that's, that's the line we got wrong. Max and yes. I have been quoting that line wrong. Apparently the line is, Hands are rare and expensive things. Yeah, yeah. Worth but, more, then he says, worth more than cameras. Yes. Luddite. <laughs> Which is, I think, the first time I'd ever heard that word. <laughs> that silly boy. Who's a silly boy? Yeah. He. This is Bruegel saying this to his partner Mahler, who is about to smash Edison's hand with a hammer, and his response is, silly boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, of course, even if he does manage to get him to let go, he'll probably have smashed the camera, too. It's, yeah, yeah. But yeah, because... Speaking of uh, Bruegel and Mahler, mm. they reminded me a lot of another pair of characters in another BBC show that wouldn't happen for... Ooh, I'm not even sure when they originally broadcast. In the early yeah. aughts, I think. Huh. Yeah, Bruegel and Mahler reminded me a lot of a certain Krupp and Vandemar. Krupp and Vandemar. So this is from a BBC show um, that was written by Neil Gaiman called Neverwhere. Oh, Neverwhere, right, right. Oh, the two, the wolves, right. Yeah, and oh. you had one who had much more erudite delivery, seemed to know a lot more, and was much more upstanding. And they had the other one who was more of a thug. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, boy, did they just echo to me, Krupp and Vandermar. Huh. I couldn't help but wonder, well, you know, Gaiman is British, so... Uh... <laughs> he probably might have seen this. I mean, and it is, yeah, as you say, Mahler is kind of the, the muscle... And he's this sort of big, good-natured, yet somehow menacing guy. And yeah. Bruegel is... You know, they're driving, looking for Edison, and he starts quoting Hamlet's response to corruption speech. You know, yeah. now is the very witching hour of night. 
So, yeah, and of course that's what, what Mr. Krook does. Or no, wait, Mr. Vandermar does oh. in Neverwhere. He's he's often bringing up quotes. Although, to be fair, in that show, Mr. Krook tends to finish them, but he's also the one who just wants to beat things silly. <laughs> um, but I just was like, oh, wow, I'd forgotten this part of things. So, you and, know, and who knows? I'm not a, accusing anybody of anything, mm-hmm. but I thought, hey, these two feel familiar. Might have been an inspiration. Yeah. Uh, There's just so odd... There's a sequence where they're taking the head of the network, the computer genius Bryce, mm-hmm. and two of the network you know, security guys to look for Edison, and they're driving them in their van, the van of which is full of severed limbs and dead bodies. <laughs> yeah. And up front, Bruegel and Mahler are singing this old novelty song, Sitting in the Back with Fred. Yeah. You know? <laughs> All the girls, yeah. yeah. Yep, it, it's... It, it, at that moment, Bryce and uh, Grossman are the audience because they're just looking at each other like what the hell (laughs) and i think that that's where this movie things like that that's where this movie is worth Mm. seeing and remembering is these little bits and i wish they'd actually done more with those um reg you can see is probably a much more interesting character than we're led to see he's basically he and his girlfriend run a tv station out of an old bus that initially doesn't even move Mm. and they're just showing old 80s videos which of course we can't i mean are they 20 minutes old like it says or are they (laughs) actually meant to be like you know 10 15 20 years old they're just showing more and more videos and people in junkyards apparently watch them um but Reg is a fun character, and he's mm-hmm. the one who ends up getting Max in a box and having no idea what it is, but figuring it might be worth something. And they actually end up using him as a spokesperson and uh, actually get an audience at that point. They're first. They're first, yeah. They're first clients, too. Mm-hmm. But uh, Yep, they actually get advertisers. And, yep. it, and, it's, and it's funny sometimes how, especially in the 80s, I think, that they tried to predict the future or show things as being futuristic but they were stuck with like an imagination that couldn't quite get out of its era so mm. at that point videotapes were still a hot item oh yeah and it's like oh look videotapes ooh um yes, yeah, and the all of the of the future and all of the computers have mechanical keyboards some of which looked exactly like typewriter keyboards yeah, well, I thought that was meant to be a flavor sort yeah, of thing, maybe. but you know, it's like it's kind of like a steamy, punky kind of. <laughs> Apparently, a man before that movie, Amanda Pays didn't know how to type, so she actually had to take a typing course to get that part. Yeah, sad thing is, is nobody would have noticed, but you know, she, I think there's True. one scene with her typing. Otherwise, it's just no, like it, and Control Three. You know, oh no, no, like, there's a bit, there's that big thing, the sort of hacker duel between her and Bryce when Edison is trying to get out of the building. Yeah, but and, we can't see her hands. <laughs> well, most of the time. But, uh, oh, well. Good for her. And, you know, that she's a professional. Yeah, that was a, an unfortunate scene because that's, again, you know, the idea is uh, the building is entirely computer-controlled. Edison's in the elevator. Theora is trying to get him down to the basement so he can get away. And Bryce, who is aware of the intrusion, is trying to get him back up to the top floor where they can trap him. And... That whole sequence reminds us why there are not a lot of movies, or shouldn't be, that show hacking. Hacking is really boring to watch. Click, 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 click. I'm in! Typity, typity, type. <laughs> yes, I still like how... Uh, I mean, the way they do it was cute, but the way Theora guesses Bryce's door lock code, it takes her two tries. Yeah. And which is... Although- ac- I liked that program she used. That actually was, quite honestly, for the 80s, that three-dimensional, like, letter-guessing thing was really high-end, like, moving around. It actually reminded me of The Matrix a little bit. Mm. Like, not the movie, but, like, the, the, the way they depict the characters in The Matrix. Ah, okay. Yeah, sort of. And uh, the way she's trying to guess the password is with, his, with the way that hackers do it, with uh, finding out what's his birthday, what's his, what's his astrological sign... There's just a little bit of personal data thrown in, way too little, but yeah, it's the it's it, it actually was a that was moderately realistic. Again, it's yeah. the takes me two. I mean, that's a standard movie thing. It never takes more than I think four guesses to get somebody's password. Yeah, well, and of I'm course, in. Th- <laughs> thankfully, they didn't shout those two words oh, out. God, yeah, that's how you know that the people that wrote this film know nothing about computers. I worked in computers for a long time, and I have seen people having to break into locked accounts, and I have never once heard anyone say "I'm in." I ever. think they say a lot of other things in their oh, yeah. four letters in length. <laughs> yeah, most of it we shouldn't re- repeat. But <laughs> no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, VCRs of the future. Um, also, uh, uh, that the scene is 
though, right? Because it's even a front loader. It's like, it's like, okay. It's like, couldn't we, okay, no, we can't think of discs, I guess. I mean, because we had DVDs at the point. Couldn't they have shown, oh, whatever. Yeah. You know, the, the budget was only so far. Yeah, the, the future also, besides, you know, having all this technology and worrying about ratings on a, on a minute-to-minute basis, is really dirty. <laughs> yeah. Everything like, looks very grungy and... Which is sort of, again, that gave it a nice dystopian feel. Because a lot of these dystopias you see, it's like, ah, I see this is a post-apocalyptic and everything is terrible, but my God, we have hair care product. Well, yeah, there is that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did feel that visually, especially uh, the apartment building, uh, her apartment in particular, felt a lot like, well, we've seen Blade Runner and we really liked it. Which is fine. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, pretty much any cyberpunky thing... Blade Runner came out and everyone said, I guess that's what it looks like. And that's that really just set the tone for the whole thing. Yeah. Because um, it was very new and its look was very interesting and different from science fiction being all clean and shiny or zoomy. That was um, the, yeah, it was the idea that the, the future isn't all shiny lights and uh, and bright metal and helpful robots. It's, yeah. you know, murderous, murderous androids and robots. Like snakes. in her. Yep, yeah. <laughs> Yes, that's right. The murderous android Samantha. Yeah, uh, I did love the body the body bank night depository because they basically just made a larger, which was then actually still pretty new ATM with a slot you could you could shove Carter into. I thought yep, that was an entire hilarious. human body. Yep. Yeah, because that's going to be a thing. Um, yeah, well, body body legging and organ legging was yeah. a major plot for a lot of stuff. And that's one of those points where it was just impossible to look into the future and go, nah, nah, we're probably going to end up just growing that stuff. You know, hey, you need a kidney? Uh, take me about a half an hour. We're going to 3D print it. Well, now you know, we think that, but I mean, yeah. hell, Larry Niven had a whole series about the organ legging. Right, and, that was back uh, in the 70s, maybe even I, the 60s? I don't know. I thought it was the 70s. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I don't remember when Gil the Arm, those books came out. But, yeah. yeah, no, it, it didn't occur to anyone we could just make them. Right. Or, you know, this 3D print thing. I mean, we're getting to that point where it's yeah. going to be like, oh, you want that toy here? I'll print it for you. We're not, we're not going... Well, we can't go to Toys R Us. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, things have changed in ways that we just couldn't have foreseen. But, you know, in some cases, we get people who do TV shows that really can just look ahead Star Trek and people who look ahead and see, hey, you know, we're going to have videotapes forever. <laughs> So, you know. But on the other hand, one of the other things that I think they got right, and they couldn't have possibly have really understood where this was going, was kind of the foreshadowing of CG and motion capture. Because mm. that's kind of what Max is supposed to be, even if his processor, I'm guessing he's running on like a um, an Amiga, yeah. you know, can only go so far. And let's face it, an Amiga couldn't have done it either. Mm. I think it did the parrot, but it couldn't have done Max, Max it, Headroom. It might have been able to do the background. But if we were doing Max Headroom today, mm-hmm. they would motion capture him because yeah. that's what we want him to look CG. Although, sadly, we could actually make him look exactly like Matt Frewer did in the 80s now. Yeah. So the actual Max Headroom, Max Headroom would look kind of dated. Um, he, but In the show, they bring up something that they, they don't have time to do in the movie. And that is, and they, although they, I think they mention it very briefly, Bryce says, this is the future. These will be your news people. Right. It's like, these are the performers, and people have been trying to do that for decades, fully digitized actors or fully digitized news people. And hell, what is it, in Japan, there's at least one digital pop star. Oh, right, right. Mm-hmm. And they're all wondering, how is she going to show up on stage? And they figured it out. Like, yeah. She's a projection. Although, yep. you know, I mean, the gorillas sort of did that. but Well, not. yeah, but they're also real people under there. They yeah. are, they're the, the gorillas, they use, in effect, avatars of, of right. themselves. The ideal, especially in the in the notion of the corporate world, is a completely digital person, a completely digital performer, because you would own them. This idea goes back to the monkeys and the archies, right? Oh, oh, you mean because they were in effect corporate created uh, art art uh, art product? Well, the mar- the monkeys were a problem because they said, "Well, we want." The Beatles, but there already is one, so why don't we make one? Right. They make the monkeys, and it turns out with the monkeys, it's like, well, uh, we actually want to write our own songs and eventually play our own instruments, and uh, <laughs> we don't really want to do what you want us to do, and we're actually pretty popular, and we're actually not that bad, and 
fact, were pretty good and uh, up yours. So that's yeah. not what the record companies want. So they came up with the Archies and it's like, yeah, we're not going to name anybody. So name me one member of the Archies. Oh, that's right. You can't because there aren't any. Well, it was Archie <laughs> Andrews, Jughead Jones, <laughs> Reggie Mantle. Hot Dog, too. <laughs> Because everything's Archie. Um, but yeah, and that's how they solved that problem. That's mm. why Sugar Sugar was such a big hit. Honey, Honey, whatever it was. Yeah, name another one. They actually did have one other song that was considered successful. But really? That's, yeah, I can't remember what it was. Huh. But uh, that was the idea. Is like, hey, we want anonymous things that we can just push a button and make yeah. money. The and, digital yeah. actor is the ideal. It's something Ooh. that, yes, you know, that what? Well, who wants that? Well, the people who make the movie, they would love the idea of, okay, here's an actor that will show up on time, will not have a drug problem, uh, will not throw tantrums, or and phones. can't ask for money. Uh, I, that, just, I, I don't know. I, if I, performances by committee, blech. Yeah, I know. I didn't say it. I mean, they've tried it, and it's never worked. And we're getting to the point where they could do it technologically, but... When you look at these things, like they have people say, "Okay, here, look, an AI wrote a script." <laughs> have you seen those? Have you read any of those? I saw the last uh, one I saw was for a Bob Ross show, The Painter. Okay, and, and it's like, okay, yes, it reminds me, things haven't changed that much since the '80s. You remember back in the '80s, they published someone published a book that was written by a very rudimentary AI. It was called "The Policeman's Mustache Is Half Constructed." Okay. It was a program that was programmed with all the rules of English grammar, and it wrote a book. And the book is, of course, perfectly grammatically correct, but it doesn't make any sense, and it it feels fake. And I'm sorry, the ones I've seen now where they're trying, they don't seem any realer. Yes, the words are all as, as they're all they're all there, Eddie. All the words are there. Now we've just got to get them in the right order. <laughs> well, you blow on this end and you move your fingers out around the outside. Terrific, Jackie. <laughs> How to play the flute, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, well, anyway, that's a whole other... That, that's a massive subject, the idea of the digital performer. And they, they do. They've tried that with music, too. Music uh, written by computer. I mean, hell, there are supposedly programs out there, uh, variants of, like, Deep Blue, that they can feed... What the hell was it called? Oh, yeah, Platinum Blue was the supercomputer that they could program in a pop song and it could improve it. It could okay. say, oh, here's where you need, you know, more drums, here you need a tempo change. And, of and, course, more cowbell. And, of course, you got to have more cowbell. <laughs> Although I think that was a plug-in that came with version 2.0. Uh, There's too many notes. <laughs> yes, there are only so many notes a person can hear, Mr. Mozart. <laughs> Yeah, and supposedly there's one they they try to use that on movie scripts. It says, "Oh, you need you need a car chase here, you need another conversation here." And you know, this is what executives want. This is what the people yeah. as people say like about TV shows. TV shows are dead air between commercials as far Ooh. as the bottom line goes. They Well, are, if people if they could get away with just having a chimp sit there and have explosive <laughs> diarrhea and know that thank this you, would Patton. yep thank you Patton Oswald and know that this would be enough to keep people watching the channel long enough to watch the commercials that's all we'd see yeah the funny thing is is that in the last 10 years television has risen much higher in quality than it ever was, you know. And admittedly, some of it's only on cable, or, or you know, I have to subscribe yeah. to it. You know, Game of Thrones, etc. Um, they're also, of course, showing a lot more than they ever dared to before, both good and bad. But this is but, good because now it's co because it has actual competition that right. TV did not have twenty years ago. No, three networks or twenty-three in the case yeah, of this. Or 20, yeah, but it's also it has the internet and it has people who make their own stuff and put it out on YouTube for free. Or people who dump stuff up on uh, other streaming sites. Now t television has to compete with the free market. They don't like it, but they got to do it. There's a, an interesting uh, tie-in that uh, my partner Tyler noticed recently. He was watching, uh, we were actually watching TV, something that almost never happens. I think it was because dinner was going and we just didn't care. <laughs> and an ad came on mm -hmm. and he was like, wait, that's that. I know that kid. He's in some of my favorite Vines. 
And apparently, oh. this kid who is known for vines actually has trans... What's the word I want? Moved over. There yeah. we go. That trans word, moved over. <laughs> uh, from social media into getting a job. Somebody hired him to do commercials. He's doing commercials for, I think it's Sprite. And uh, sure enough, it's like he he did some very funny vines. And of course, vines were seven seconds, so we're almost into blipvert category there. <laughs> Thankfully, I haven't exploded yet. Have you? No. Uh, fully exploded? No. Some burst mm, well, capillaries here and there, but no. Good thing they got rid of vine then. Mm. Um, but somebody has actually made that transition. Hey, there's that trans word I wanted. From <laughs> social media into mainstream media, which, yeah. you know... You're getting people... A, yeah, it's the same with people who YouTube star or Instagram star used to be a joke. Now you've right. got these people who actually can make careers out of it. Yeah, and, you know, you've got people who've got millions of subscribers, and, you know, then, they, then of course, they get into trouble, just like regular TV stars, so it's yep. kind of nice that they're holding up the traditions. Yes, they get into feuds, they get drug problems, they go to rehab. <laughs> <laughs> and we hear about it, because that's what we want. Yep, yep. Yeah. That is true. Uh, a couple of little downsides of, of Max Headroom. Getting back mm -hmm. to the actual movie we watched. Oh, yes, that. Uh, well, this is actually why it's it's even something of a gem. You know, more like a diamond in the rough. Diamond in the rough, diamond <laughs> in the rough. Thank you, uh, Aladdin. <laughs> is that it does have a little bit of prescience to it. It has mm. a lot of fun little bits, mostly with uh, Mahler and Bruegel. Mm. But... Um, it's got some things that are also not so great. One of them is the absolutely terrible matte painting of the outside of, of the building that has oh, yes. Channel 23. It's like, oh, somebody has an airbrush. That's great. <laughs> um, the ending's very abrupt. Yeah. It's sort of like, and we're done. Yep. <laughs> okay, insert commercial here. Play yeah. the theme song and roll the credits. Yeah. And as we, we noticed, it was it's kind of slow. It would not yeah. play today's audience. Although, to be fair... There is something about British sci-fi that's just kind of slow. Yeah, I, I know. I'm sorry, Doctor Who fans, but that's one of the reasons I could never watch the show. It's like, please, hit someone with a ray gun, something. Right. No, we're, go we're going to stand around here and argue a little some more. But first, the scenery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and now we're going to switch to film. Mm. Um but also films going back to the 70s like Zardoz, which I have unfortunately oh seen in a theater twice. Oh, twice? Uh, so like that second it, time was your own fault. Well, both, no, both times were my fault. Oh. Well, not, well, to be fair, both times were separate science fiction film marathons, but they oh, were oh. years apart. And the sad part was, like a, an Alzheimer's patient, I'd forgotten the twist, if you want to call it that, as to what the title stands for. And I'm watching Sean Connery run around in his adult diaper um, <laughs> with his terrible wig and his gun and the floating head of Colonel Sanders. And we finally get to the, the, the delivery of the twist, or whatever, I don't know, the, yeah. the enlightenment as to why it's called Zardoz. And it's like... Oh, crap, that's right, that's what this is about. Uh, um, but things like even The Prisoner, which is a very interesting show, not mm. a lot of action going mm. on there. Um, UFO, a show that I really like. It's yeah. only half an hour for each episode, which is good, because uh, Space 1999. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, 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 wait, I think someone moved. There's just this thing I've, I've seen about British sci-fi that it doesn't tend to have a lot of movement in it it's not um, as frenetic as a lot of american stuff it is more leisurely paced that can work the thing yes. is i don't know if it works in the sci-fi genre it certainly works fine in their mysteries and uh, their thrillers and a bunch of other stuff i don't know british science fiction for me is very hit or miss but the thing yes. is all of it is usually very seminal it's very it has a huge influence on the rest of sci-fi yes. and i think max headroom i think that's why i consider this a hidden gem in and of itself, I don't know if I'd recommend it as, as something to watch for fun, but when you look at it historically, when you look at what was influenced by it and where it, when it came out, right in the heart of cyberpunk, right at the beginning, this is pre-Matrix, this is pre-everything except Blade Runner. I think Blade Runner is the only thing that came before this, really, in well, that genre. a big name. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a major one. There was a ton of little stuff. But this... This brought it sort of downscale, and it also made it... I mean, Max Headroom is way more fun than Blade Runner. Well, uh, there was also um, RoboJocks and... Oh, dear. Uh, what was that one? Uh, something Death. Um, what? Man. God, that was bad. There's a lot of bad pseudo-cyberpunk, but... And this is where we get to the American versus British stuff, where I'll give the British a thumbs up, and that is that 
while there's a lot more action and usually usually the plot moves more uh jack death that's what it, that's the character's name oh good right that um, was um free jack no free jack was different oh, okay. um, jack death was an empire we'll get an empire oh. someday but hmm. um Whereas the Americans tend to have more actions and splody things, the British <laughs> take some time to do some fun, thoughtful things. And that's mm. where this film does have its moments. When we've got Bruegel and Mahler having their little conversations, they're wonderful. When we have little throwaways by Max Headroom, who quite honestly doesn't get nearly enough screen time considering yeah. he's supposed to be the center of the film. Mm -hmm. um, his little like throwaways like, yeah, you can always tell when a politician's lying because his lips are moving. You know, things like that. They take time to do that. Do you think Eskimos ever get tired of their weather reports? Yeah. You know, just fun little stuff like that. The British will actually take time to do that. And mm. they also will, will do things that are a little bit more thoughtful. The other problem is is that, well, things don't explode enough. Because if you don't have splody, <laughs> it's not good. Um, so there's, there's, there's me giving the other yeah. side of, of British sci-fi. Because mm -hmm. um, it, it also tends to... I would say that British sci-fi is often a little bit more what's the word i want influential like they'll mm. do these weird things like the prisoner i mean i don't know how much it influenced but it's still considered by a lot of people to be the best tv show up until a certain point because mm. it was so different so interesting and was really messing with people's heads and like not giving it all what they were expecting and at that point tv was like pretty cookie cutter because mm. it was early 70s i think uh, yeah, a lot, yeah so a lot of basic detective shows sitcoms right. and uh, right. family drama yeah well, of course, sitcoms have totally uh, changed. No, they haven't. <laughs> Just yeah, I mean, it's to be fair, this film is short. It's an hour. Mm -hmm. um, it feels a little longer than that. It feels more like ninety minutes. But uh, it is not a film that will take you a lot of time to watch. It's also a film you're going to have to look for on YouTube yeah. or other online services. You can see it for free. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it has been abandoned. Yeah. Um, the American I show, I, I watched a couple of episodes. Strangely, my father really liked it. Huh. Um, and it just annoyed me because it was, hey, it's the dumbed-down American version of the same thing. It's very, yeah, the TV show is very sanitized. Yes, there it's clean, it's bright. Yeah, Bryce is now a good guy. The hacker is a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. And he was one of the more memorable, annoying characters from this. And he was played very well. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the boy genius. Although I, he's actually a, looks a lot younger than he is. He was actually 20 when this was made. Yeah, but he looks like a teenager, a young teenager. Yeah. And he's great. It's like, you know, yes, if people find out about the Blipferts, they will be upset. Well, just don't tell them. <laughs> wow. Thank yeah. you, genius. <laughs> uh, you know, his, he's actually the voice of corporate world. I was going to say America, yeah. but pretty much world now. And so just don't tell them. Yeah, look, look at all the people who have gotten into trouble recently for don't telling them. And what is this about evil corporations that they never have lighting in their boardrooms? <laughs> never mind that they're just as dirty and messy as everything else. Because, you know, you go to Bryce's lab and it's like, oh. And you go see him in the tub and it's like, oh. And yuck. everybody's um, suit is somewhat rumpled and cheap looking. <laughs> yes. It's very... The future is kind of greasy. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Greasy, greasy future. Uh, oh. So, but yeah, you know, that was the feeling. It's like, you know, that you could even probably go back to Mad Max's. Well, of course, mm. theirs, theirs was a drier, but yes. desolate future. It was a dry heat. Yeah. <laughs> it was a dry apocalypse. It doesn't hurt so much. <laughs> well, I think that brings us rather neatly to the roundup. You know what? I, I was just thinking we should probably go into the roundup. Oh, yeah. No, no, I, I think we ought to go to the roundup instead. How about the ground round? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm not allowed to talk about that. Let's go to the roundup. The roundup. So, yeah. Is this one, would you recommend this to people? Would you say you should, we think more people should see this? I would say if you want to understand a lot of what Max and I are saying, then you should watch <laughs> it because we quote this fairly often well, and you'll probably just scratch your head and go, oh God, they're doing it again. And God knows... Everyone wants to understand us better. Oh, yeah. That's the whole point of this show. I would I would say if you're a science fiction fan, if you like science fiction and you, you know, for historical completeness, I you definitely need to see this because this is an, I think it's a fairly important piece in the history. In and of itself, you know, meh. But, yeah. But uh, as part of the continuum of cyberpunk and science fiction and the way science fiction evolved in the 80s and into the 90s, I think, yeah, I think this is an important piece. I don't know if I'd say it was important. I would say that if you are interested in where the origins of, of certain things, in this case visual 
um, history of cyberpunk, that kind of thing. It's worth seeing. There are fun little moments. There's times where I still laughed. We've been carrying this. I mean, I had it on a video cassette <laughs> um, that I got, I think, at a convention. You mean a Rebus so- tape? <laughs> read this tape i kept thinking it was like the monkey um that's Reese's. Reese's, whatever oh i love chocolate and peanut butter mm. um I, I i've been i think a friend had actually taped it off of cinemax uh. and that i got a copy of it back sometime like 86 87 something like that and watched it and enjoyed it and it was one of those things that i brought over probably to your house and we watched and it's been probably. with us since then because mm-hmm. i haven't seen max headroom probably since mm, maybe as long ago as 1990 but pieces of it have been have been stuck in my head since then i think that it's time for a reboot no i don't (laughs) oh god but yeah sure you know it's free you can Mm. see it it's an hour i'm gonna say that anybody under 30 not gonna sit still for this yeah you'd need a real attention span for it i'm not saying people under 30 don't have that but uh, quite honestly the pacing you really need to pay you need to be patient for this pacing it needs a pacemaker. Yeah. <laughs> Give it a jolt every once or in a fre- while. Or a fresh maker. <laughs> that's right, fresh maker. Or a spot maker, that's right. <laughs> um, anyway, mm. um, yeah, I'm going to say, go ahead. It's yeah. out there. I'd say this is more of an unpolished gem, but it's it's a worthwhile addition to your science fiction education. Yeah. You can't get your degree without it. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. So, um, multiple viewings, yeah, that's up to you. Yeah. I'm going to say, if you've seen it once, you can make a little checkbox. We'll give you that extra plus next to your grade. But, yeah, but I would say, you do. You should see it once. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, next week, mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about a totally different film. Because yep. it's one I chose. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually not all that different. So, folks who want to keep up with us and watch ahead of time, next week we're going to be talking about a... Not an unknown film, but I would say a film that did not get nearly as much attention as it could have when it came out. And that was Christian Slater's Pump Up the Volume. Another movie like Empire Records with a with an awesome soundtrack. Yes, it does have an awesome soundtrack. And it was, in fact, directed by the same guy. Yeah. See, I told you we'd have a reason to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh. Uh, oh, wait, there's one more thing we need to do. Yeah. Uh, what was that we're supposed to do? Yeah, well, for one thing, uh, if you're interested, folks, follow us on Twitter. You can follow right. us at Max Mike Movies, space between each word. Uh, you can also, I don't, depending, you may have been listening to this on our website, but if not, check out our website at MaxMikeMovies.com. And, you know, you could leave comments there. Yes, you can. Be nice, though, because we cry easily, alone, curled up on the floor. Holding our stuff, our old, no longer working Teddy Ruxpins. Be kind. Rewind. Indeed. Won't you? But thank you. <laughs> but there's still one last thing we need to do. What's that? The end. It's... Yes, that's yes, it. The end. We have to end the show. We do. And we're we still don't that. have a way to do it, but we're just we're going gonna to end out on a high note. We're going <laughs> to. We. Ow. Thank you. Well, congratulations. You've driven away our listener. Uh, hello, listener? No, come back. We won't do it anymore, I promise. So for Max Mike Movies, this is Max. At, no, it, no, this is Max. No, I'm pointing to you. See, oh, point see. to Wally. <laughs> well, your arms aren't freakishly long. You Don't see, say point I to can... Wally. Point to Wally. <laughs> anyway, that's Mike over there. And that's Max over there. Saying goodbye, and we'll talk to you next week. Good night, and... Max Mike Movies is a co-production of The Voice of Max and The Movie Wrench.